For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, my go-to sports bar in the East Bay. This will be a shock to no one. I love watching sports, and I love it even more while at a sports bar. But to be honest, there was a long period of time where I just couldn't find one I really liked. I'd hit a spot that had TVs, but the food sucked ass, or a place that had good food, but they wouldn't show the game I wanted, and the inside felt dark and depressing. It was always some trade-off or sacrifice, and that's done now. The ACO is exactly what I'm looking for. They have a huge space, including an outdoor spot where they shut down an entire street and called it the town guards. They have more than 100 televisions, which can and will show every game you ask for, and they have great food. The ACO has everything. You need to comfortably watch your favorite team in any sport at any time with passionate fans. I love it, and I'm pretty damn sure you will too. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans get everything they want every day they want it. We're going to bring y'all to our huddle. You are in the Where's Huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus today, but we think per usual. My master of all things sound and video, Maxime. How's it going? Maxime, I am fired up to announce that joining us for the first time in the huddle, the host of a weekly MLS show on Apple TV, a play-by-play broadcaster for the Pac-12, a sports anchor with experience in California, Kentucky, Oklahoma City, and Illinois, the co-host of Locked on Warriors, and a woman who knows she should never trust the estimates of Benfield Pet Hospital, Miss (laughs) Kylan Mill. What's going on, Kylan? Not much, Bram. That is the best intro anyone has ever done for me. And you know what? Don't get me started on the Banfield thing, okay? My dog had a light cough. I am not prepared to drop over a grand on that, but that's a whole nother story. Thank you for having me. Excited to talk some Warriors basketball. (laughs) Don't think for a second I haven't been put through like the pet hospital ringer. And I'm the kind of like freak out pet owner where if I come in and they tell me like if they started making up body parts, if they, my, my dog, Bo, who's actually right here and may throw up in my office at any moment. If they told me like, your dog has a broken trunculator, I'd be like, okay, but how much does it cost? What can we do? So I read those tweets and was immediately impressed. Kylan, I can't tell you how much I appreciate having you. And let me get something out of the way, kind of an acknowledgement. Every time we have a guest on for the first time, I spend the entire time desperately trying to overcompensate and like prove to them I'm funny. So any like forced fake laughter you can give me today, again, I, I really appreciate it's going to go a long way in building our relationship. So I mean, I'll, I'll thank you in advance. Perfect. I have a background in broadcasting. The mantra is fake it till you make it. So all the <laughs> fake laughter will be sent your way. I got you covered. Any corny dad jokes you want to throw out there, whatever it is, I'm ready. <laughs> you say that as if I haven't been looking at all of your outfits from the Kentucky Derby and I haven't been like desperately stalking you to get ready for it today. And in fact, I got a bunch of warrior stuff. We're going to get there in a second, but it's the first time we had you and I'd be crazy yeah. not to ask about you. And here's my first one. All right. 
So I found out that you played high-level sports growing up. You played soccer, you played tennis in college. So my question to you is, does being a high-level athlete help you cover sports? Is there any advantage in having that background? Yeah, Bram, it's a great question. It's one I've gotten uh, quite a bit throughout my career, but I think it definitely translates. And I think it does help because you've been in those athletes' shoes to some degree. Of course, I've never been a Steph Curry who's had the you know attention that he gets, but you do understand a little bit just the rigors of what the game involves, what it's like being a team in a team environment like that, what it's like being in a competitive environment like that. I do think that it makes a difference in being able to connect and identify with the athletes a little bit, just to have that background experience of, even just playing in college, I played competitive soccer, like you mentioned, tennis. I played a year in the WPSL after. And at least, like I said, you do somewhat understand what they're going through. I may not know what it's like to be famous, but some of the rigors, requirements, again, trying to work in this team environment, you understand a little bit of what they're going through. And it definitely has helped me. And also just in general, as a woman in sports, it makes a big difference in credibility sure. as well. Sure. Like right off the bat, people look at a woman covering sports and assume you don't know what you're talking about. But I think it does you know, make a difference when you qualify. Hey, I've also played, like I played basketball through high school. I played soccer. I grew up playing every sport under the sun. I have another layer of understanding because I initially started with that passion as an actual athlete before I got into covering the game. And then now, you know, I do think as a woman as well, you have to really study and know your stuff more even than the men. But I do think it helps also just with credibility, having that background as an athlete. Of course. Um, and I'll tell you, at least for this show, low bar, you'll be able to outshine us almost <laughs> immediately. And you'll find that out within the first 10 minutes. Uh, we had friend of the show, CJ on a bunch of times, CJ Holmes. I know you guys have a relationship yeah. too. And one, it CJ. took us a while to get him to admit it, but we ultimately got CJ to admit that he'll try to work in to a conversation fairly early on with an athlete that, you know, he happened to play for Auburn and whatever, yeah. no big deal, but it gets them on the same playing field. Just like you're saying, do you ever do that? Do you ever like purposely work it in? Cause I would constantly, it would, it would be the first thing out of my mouth. Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Like if I can throw it out there, I'll, I'll say like, you know, I actually played soccer in college and I, and immediately, like I said, it usually does raise eyebrows. Like people immediately are like, Oh, okay. Like you get it. You know what I mean? I played soccer in, in college. I played tennis. I played basketball through high school. I played really competitively immediately. People, like I said, it kind of raises the eyebrows a little bit in a good way. So if I can throw it in there early conversations or if it ever comes up in any way when I'm covering sports, like I absolutely, I will slide it in there when I can. <laughs> it's cold. It's cold. You might as well take advantage of it. All right. Here's the next thing well. I found out. <laughs> I found out that you were covering the thunder during the Western conference finals. And my assumption was that the 2016 Western conference finals. Yes. Okay. So this one, I'm confident you haven't had to answer before. Did you hate the Warriors? I mean, like sports hate, you know, but that's the one where the Warriors came back. They were down three, one, right. And like, and you were covering them at that point from Oklahoma city. So was there a little bit of disdain, you know, like was there, was there some funk between you and, uh, and Golden State? So not necessarily, but I will say just living in Oklahoma city at the time when Kevin Durant announced he was leaving, like I did identify a little bit with some of the bitterness there, like that everything that he had said was that he was going to stay with the organization. And then it was just kind of like, Oh, really? Golden state has to make the super team. Like, come on, you haven't won enough. It's not enough to have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Like, man, really? Now you got to add KD. So that's the only time I will say I had a little bit of disdain for the warriors. When I remember that first being announced, just because you identify a little bit with what some of the thunder fans were saying. And it's just kind of, I think across the league, there was definitely a little bit of an eye roll. People were kind of like, Oh, well now we got the super team to deal with, you know, they're going to run the show and i mean they did at least when everyone was healthy so it was a little bit fair but uh that's the only time that i remember really being like oh 
oh, come on. Like, really? You got to add KD to the mix? You guys are already so good. Um, so I think that was maybe the only time. <laughs> Maxine, what do you think? 5% chance, 20% chance that Kylan has a cupcake shirt on, underneath that, uh, <laughs> that sweatshirt? I guess we'll, we'll never actually know. And Kylan, if, if you want to discuss bitterness about KD leaving, you've come to the right place. You know, I, I, we, can, we can talk about that for a while. Uh, how'd you make your way out here? So, I mean, I, I said it, you've got experience, you know, in a lot of different states. What brought you to California? What was the transition? Yeah. So I first moved out here in the summer of 2020, late summer of 2020, like starting August into September. And I'll never forget, I moved out here and I was like, I immediately need to turn around and pack my bags because the sky was orange. Like I showed up right <laughs> during, do you remember that? The the wildfires oh, yeah, when like it took over the 100%. entire sky yeah. back in 2020, like I said, like early September maybe. And it was just like the creepiest thing to come out to. And that was like my first week here. And I remember just being like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> uh, but I moved out here originally for a job at Cron4 News. So my background is working in local news. That's how I at least got started out of college and being on air, being in broadcasting, covering sports, was working in Kentucky. 2020 hit, which was the worst time to have like a contract ending, to be trying to find a new job. Sure. My contract was up in, I want to say like June at the station I was working at in February. I told them like, you know what? I had all these balls kind of in the air. I was like, uh, you know, I'm probably not going to come back. I want to move on and make the next step. And then COVID hit like a month later and like everything came to a screeching halt. There were no sports jobs. I literally was interviewing at places and they were like, yeah, never mind. We're not going to fill this position oh, because geez. there's no sports and no one knows what's going to happen. So it was just like the craziest couple months because like June was approaching. I'm like, I have no clue what I'm going to do. There were protests all over the country. Like just like looking back, like it's so wild how just like uncertain everything in the world was in that moment. Like no clue when things were going to open back up. There were every league was canceled. We didn't know when it was going to come back. So it was just kind of a crazy and scary time. Happened to be an opening at Cron 4 uh, to come out and cover sports on the West Coast. My husband, who lives here with me as well, loves San Francisco. And we were together back in Kentucky and we kind of had a conversation about it. Went through the interviewing process, got offered the job like right in that summer area. They were willing to give me like a month or two to like pack up the stuff and actually move all the way out here because it was a huge move. Yep. And so everything just kind of lined up. And this is a great sports town. And that was the biggest thing that attracted me. I grew up in Chicago. So like I grew up in a pro sports market. So to come out to a similar place where it's kind of like you've got a lot of professional teams, a lot of passion for professional teams. Because back in Kentucky, it was SEC basketball. Like I was covering Kentucky basketball, right. you know, and you're covering the collegiate scene, which is also, like I said, super passionate fans, crazy, but it's just different. It's different. You know, like I grew up in a Chicago Bulls house, you know, so like the chance to come out here, cover the Warriors, you know, the Niners at the time on the upswing, you know, in 2020 after that 2019 campaign. So like all things were aligned and I moved out here to take that job and did that for two years before branching out into many other things that you mentioned uh, during that nice intro you had for me. <laughs> what a crazy time to come out. I remember the that orange glow. In fact, I remember taking a bike ride and going by and I want to call it um, AT&T, but it's not called that anymore. Whatever the hell the Giants play. I don't know what the stadium's called. Oracle. It might be Oracle now. Yeah, there you go. And I remember the lights were on and it was like 11 a.m. or something. And they had the lights on because it was this Mordor like, you know, lighting scenario that was creepy as hell. And if I wasn't from here and found myself out here the first time, there's no yeah. way I would stay. There's oh, no I way. was so freaked out. <laughs> It's like the third circle of hell or something. It would just be, uh, it would just be random as shit. Um, here's the last thing that I want to run by you that's uh, Kylan Mills specific. I learned that you won the Oklahoma Next Gen 30 Under 30 Award 
which is for individuals younger than uh, 30 years old who demonstrate, quote, excellence in their field and leadership in the community. So uh, having spoken with you for five minutes, I can tell why you want it. My question is a little bit different. If that's me, I'd turn that fucking award into a necklace and wear it around everywhere. <laughs> we all this, I'd say. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you knew this, but I happen to be, you know, winning awards in excellence 30 under 30. Have you done that? Have you turned it into a piece of jewelry at all? Do you carry it around? Anything like that? I don't have it as a necklace. I'm actually looking right now. I do have it here in the office, I think. I've got like a bunch of stuff, but it's actually like shoved behind the TV. So initially <laughs> I did have a TV in this office and I brought one in because working at Cron, I would go in. Now, since I left Cron, I'm kind of branching out working for Apple TV, Pac-12 Network. I work a lot from home. So I had to move a TV in here so I can be watching games while I work all day, obviously. What else is a sports person to do? And now all my stuff is just kind of shoved back there. So I don't have a necklace, but I appreciate you bringing up that award because I would have I do have it back there, I think. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I got your back. But, but you did your homework. I appreciate you bringing that up. And one thing I will say is that um, I got kind of lucky. I got that job in Oklahoma City. It was just my second job out of school. So I started there very young. I think that's part of the reason why I won the award. 24, 25 years old when I moved out there and kind of jumped in, you know, sink or swim. But it was a lot of fun. And then another part of that award is I'm super involved in the community. That's something I'm super passionate about. Uh, I've done Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Special Olympics I did out just kind of as a volunteer announcer out in Oklahoma. My husband and I are foster dog parents. Uh, we foster for a senior dog rescue in San Francisco. So that is one thing that's important to me that I think was definitely a big factor in that award aside from just doing my job and, and going to my nine to five and whatnot. Who are you, Maxime? If you won that, would you would you bring it up frequently? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously joking about the necklace, but I'd find a way to work it into conversations. You know, maybe not in the first like half an hour, but it'd come up. Yeah. And then like if I had it, it'd be behind me, not behind my TV for you, dude. Like, would you bring it up a lot? I, I don't I'm not sure on you. I can see you going either way. Yeah, I feel like it'd be a strategic thing. You know, like if there was something to gain out of it in certain environments, I might, which, you know, maybe in this one, having it behind me actually would be really wise. But also on that point, I randomly I got like second place and okay admittedly it was like a 10 person race but i got second place and they gave me like a plaque a framed picture and so i have that sitting right next to me and i'm like a hey, second place so there is a little bit of that energy going on it's not it's not all um altruism <laughs> i love that you said there's a little bit of that you just randomly brought up a award that we hey, were not talking about so no we just saw it happening in live did you say footage. it was a race what was the race that's uh, what i want to know <laughs> it, uh, the craziest race it's called a swim run um, and we, I did it with a friend of mine who's also named Maxime. Uh, and so uh, we, you literally are tied to one another and you're going back and forth between running and swimming over the course of a, a couple of hours. So a totally ridiculous event. Here's, here's a glimpse at how uh, neurotic I am, Kylan. It, is it, I doubt it annoys you. It really annoys me that he is doing a tandem race with someone with his same name. It should like, it shouldn't bother me at all, but like that would, if I ran into somebody, I'm doing that race and the people next to me both have the same name. Same I'm spending name. the next 45 minutes really annoyed by that. I'm going to be annoyed by that today. It just, it is what it is. Let's move on. Let's talk warriors and let's go to our glass half full. Uh, here is where we look back at recent Warriors Hoop and give something either we like or we don't like. I'll go first just to give you guys some time to think. And let's start optimistically. What I like, I like watching Steph Curry shake off what looked to be a leg injury, one that had me freaking the fuck out, and then coming back in an absolute must-win game and leading a 25-15 to 15 closeout run. 
you know, so then I'll, I'll bleed this into something I don't like. I don't like that it's a must-win game in Houston against the worst team in the West, and the Warriors still can't take care of the ball that we needed Steph Curry to come in there and make sure that we walked away with it. But I'll, I'll end back on the optimistic side. They needed the win. They got the win, and Steph looked like Steph despite having what was kind of a scary little leg scenario. So there's what I like. What do you guys got? I'll go first. Sure, why not? Uh, the number one thing I liked, and especially looking at recent performances, Jonathan Kaminga, 17 points, huge off the bench. I think that we're, we've really seen his emergence this season. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I think his bench contributions have the potential to be like that key piece, even going into the postseason. Like if he can be producing like that in critical games, I mean, facing opponents even better than the Rockets, although this was a critical game for the Warriors, like you mentioned, I think they're going to find a lot of success. And he is the, the possibility to be a huge rotation piece because he's now unlocking that offensive side of the game too. Like we saw his defense really start to emerge earlier on in the season when he started working his way into the rotation. And now he's like also scoring. Yeah. So I feel like he's really starting to develop that two-way game. Um, so that's what I'm going to say for glass half full and then half empty. I was already thinking along the same lines as you, Bram. Just in general, the Warriors have to do a better job of taking care of the ball 20 turnovers, we've seen them be problematic for the Warriors in the past, but I feel like right now there's no margin for error because their defense has been so shaky. You can't, you know, be yeah. giving up a lot of points and then also turning the ball over, you know, on both sides. So I think it just makes it that much more important that they take care of the basketball. So that was, those were some scary moments for me. I mean, the other night, oh gosh, what game was it? It was Clay and Clay and Steph for the first time ever had like 11 turnovers or 12. Yeah. And that's also something that's concerning that you hate to see. Um, Steph generally turns the ball over more because he is creative. He's on the ball a lot, all these other things, but still like those are high numbers even for him. So to me as a team, as a whole starters included, got to do a better job of taking care of the basketball. Of course. What do you got, Max? Yeah, that's a, it's. I think that's a really good point because I see in some circles of the internet people reminding Warriors fans that actually the you know the dominant teams of the past few years also had incredibly high turnover rates, and that there yeah. was a little bit of this narrative that uh, oh well the Warriors have this free flowing offense and they you know they love to be creative and that's inevitably going to lead to more turnovers. But Kylan, you yep. nailed the point, which is that. They also had the number one defense in the league, and so they could exactly. they could compensate for those sorts of things. And so it's really frustrating to see um, what looks like carelessness um, because it's coupled with a carelessness on defense. And so these like cross court passes that are like you know half hearted lobs that are just clearly getting picked off by again the worst team in the West. It's like come on, you know when we get up against stiffer competition. Um, I was just. I was screaming at my TV yesterday. It was it was a very frustrating um, thing for me. So so you know one thing that I did like was uh, getting to see a little bit of vintage Clay and Steph on the offensive end. Um, you know combining for fifty nine and and getting us a really solid ultimately breaking the uh, the the road um, loss streak. Um, that felt really good regardless of who the opponent was. Yeah, the, the fact that the turnovers are continuing after we've heard every possible version of the phrase wake up call this year, everything across the board from Steve Kerr, from the pundits to the players to anybody, you know, look, they got to wake up, they got to wake up. And now that we're in a stretch run, uh, as of that last game, 11 games left, must win scenario against a team that's trying to lose and you're still not taking care of the ball. That's a problem. Um, and so, you know, I'm not breaking new ground, but it was concerning. This also isn't breaking new ground. Another thing I don't like watching Dylan Brooks play basketball. So look, I'm late to this party. You know, they, they have already lost the Memphis game and it's behind us, but here's what I don't like. Colin, I've had sports, um, villains, I'll say in my life, 
for years, for decades. I am used to that. It is what it is. Uh, CP3, I've watched forever. People go back even further than that. But what those other villains had that Dylan Brooks doesn't, I hated them, but I wanted to watch the game to watch them lose. They sucked me in the way like a movie villain would. You know, you're like, okay, I want to watch this person get beat. And so now I'm really involved in the content that I'm watching. Dylan Brooks has the exact opposite of impact. He makes me not want to watch the game. It's like having like a younger brother who's trying to annoy me throughout, you know, a 10, 15, <laughs> 20, 25 minute period. And at some point, you're like, okay, I just, I can't, I got to leave the room. That's what it's like watching Dylan Brooks for me. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm not alone. Maxime, if we've got that clip, go ahead and pull it. Uh, Memphis played Dallas the other yep. night and a clip yep. that's making the rounds. You know, they, they've got this move where players swap jerseys as kind of a sign of mutual respect. We're watching uh, Kyrie and Dylan swap jerseys, except for they didn't. Dylan gave Kyrie his jersey and uh, I'm sorry, Kyrie gave Dylan his jersey. And then when Dylan was trying to give him the jersey off to uh, Kyrie, off he went. He didn't take it. I'm sure that there's a story behind it. I'm sure that it was just happenstance. But the way I'm taking it is that I'm not the only person annoyed by Dylan Brooks. So that's what I don't like. Um, I can't stand watching him play. And if we go into another playoff series and this guy is in my life for, you know, um, what is hopefully a quick series for the Warriors, it's going to cost me years off my life. Like, I don't, I'm not sure how to deal with it. It just, just is what it is. I just think it's strange. So I don't know if you saw, I actually tweeted out yesterday on this exact topic, a local journalist, you know, tweeted out some clips of Dylan Brooks talking about the whole situation with Kyrie after the fact. Yep. And he just said that he looks up to Kyrie for everything he stands for off the court. And I just thought that was so bizarre. Like, what? And, like, I know Dylan Brooks Jr. is generally a hateable player in the NBA, but, like, Kyrie's also, like, in his own category with, like, the flat earther controversy and just, like, all these other weird scenarios. He's constantly just, like, word vomiting things that get him in trouble, the anti-Semitism. And that's what you admire? I just thought that was the most bizarre thing about the whole situation is that afterwards he said, you know, he's not just complimenting his game. He's like, oh, who he is off the floor and what he stands for is what, you know, I really look up to. And I was like, huh? Fuck yes. <laughs> Kylan, like, as, as a Jewish American who believes in a round world, I don't have a lot of fucking love for Kyrie Irving's off the fucking court takes. And to have Dylan Brooks be like, you know what I really like? What he says off the floor is like, it, it's, it's like the only way that Dylan could have found a way for me to like him less. You know, it's like, oh my God, like, there you go. You found an opinion that also makes me really dislike you. Right. It, I, I just, that was so bizarre to me. So as if like his dirty play isn't bad enough. Now he also like wants to be in the Kyrie off the court category too. I was just like, huh? Okay. So you want to be embroiled in controversy and say things that are constantly offending people. Okay. I mean, I guess if that's what you're going for, like one thing I will say, I feel like in defense of Draymond Green, a lot of people don't like him, but I feel like that's just because he's cocky. Like sometimes he talks the talk in terms of the game, you know, and he'll, you know, stick up for his teammates. He'll talk some smack, but like when you're talking Kyrie, like that's just like a whole nother level of like what's going on here off the court. Like I don't yes. even, I don't, I just don't get another player wanting to identify with all that, like supporting him maybe, but to say like, that's who I'm looking up to and, and want to be like, it just, that was an eyebrow raiser for me as much as he already has made some comments towards the Golden State Warriors specifically, but now that's who you're like idol is in off court situations. It says all I need to know. And and I'm with you. He, he's very, just making it almost impossible to like him unless you are a diehard Grizzlies fan. I feel like at this point.
A million percent. And the frosting on the douchebag cake that is Dylan Brooks is when he gave that uh, quote, if I remember it right, he had uh, sunglasses on in the locker room. And it's just like, that's me, really? Why? You know, like there's not a glare in there. I'm sure you're fine. You're indoors. We don't need sunglasses. All right. To our golden questions. Um, in case you haven't listened to the show before, this is our mailbag. Always deals with the Warriors. Occasionally gets personal. And today's entries do both. Here's the first quote. Please run the glass half full title edition with Tyler. We heard your flowery take. Now we need the truth when we pause. So I, I did this, um, this question a couple weeks back. I don't remember having a flowery take. I'm not sure what that means, but you know, <laughs> I know. Okay. I want to know what your take was now. You got to, you know, preface it, it with what your flowery take was. Yeah, I'll give it to you for sure. Um, and so the, really what we did, we did this with athletic alchemy. And the question was, you know, glass half full, something good, something, something bad. Instead of something good, something bad, give us the main reason why you think the Warriors can win a title, the main reason why you think the Warriors can't. And I'll paraphrase mine so you get a sense of my, my flowery opinions. Um, the why can they win, that's the obvious. You know, the Steph Curry is still, at any moment, the best player on the basketball court. Uh, and for as long as that's true, the Warriors have a real shot at a title. And Clay's development, JK, all the good things that I'm sure we'll talk about as we go forward. The reason I didn't. So... And forgive me if you've already heard this, but um, I thought that the Warriors have won as underdogs. They did it when no one believed in them in that first title in 2015. And they won as bullies when KD came over. And then most recently, they finished the uh, the arc with the redemptive title, the fuck you title. The nobody ever thought that we'd be able to do this again. And here we are. Now we've done it. And so they've now taken all the various plot lines you'd see in a sports movie, you know, all the reasons that you'd be motivated to win it. And the analogy I drew was, let's say I'm a mountain climber and I've now climbed all the major mountains on earth. I'm not going to stop climbing. I still love the hobby. It's there, but the motivation to find a new mountain and get to the top of it, it's not going to be the same. I've done it. I've done it across the world. So the main reason why I'd be worried about the Warriors ability to win it this year is that motivation factor. They've done it and they've done it in, every possible way so it's going to be hard to manufacture you know that that f you um and i think that's what's been plaguing them on the road as well but that's what i said apparently in flowery fashion um i'll leave it to you so you know both of you guys the main reason they can main reason they can't maxime you go first all right. I went first last time. I'll fair enough. Fair enough. Take it away. Uh, equanimous uh, environment. Thoughts. Yeah, I, I I will be brief in mine, um, but maybe just to add, because I mean, obviously, right? It, if Steph is going to be transcendent as he usually is, you got a chance. So long as Steph Curry is in the mix and healthy, uh, you know, there's reason to believe that they can win another title. I will say also, waiting in the wings, hopefully, are two really key uh, pieces to this team in Andrew Wiggins and Gary Payton the second. Um, not just in terms, you know, these are not pieces like, uh, you know, that need to join a new team like Kyrie, but are already key members of the Warriors rotation and know how to operate within that system. Gary Payton being the best on-ball defender in the league last year, there's reason to think that he's going to help our defense, which, you know, without him is one of the reasons why we wouldn't be able to win a title. And Andrew Wiggins' two-way play is something that we could, you know, would really value as well. So, you know, I, I think really what it comes down to, to keep it simple, if those two players come back, for the postseason, we have a good chance at winning a title. If they don't, I don't see it happening. I think that's definitely a great take and a totally fair take. I'm, I just, if they don't come back, I think it's, I don't want to say ever impossible for the Warriors because you never can completely write them out. 
write them off just because they do have Steph Curry. And you're still looking at the same starting lineup that won the championship last year. So I don't want to say ever 0%, but I think the odds are very, very, very slim. You're looking at 1%. They need Andrew Wiggins back. They need Gary Payton II to contribute to some of the defensive problems they've been having. They can't play the defense they've been playing, especially on the road, and win a title. I don't believe that. There's absolutely no way they're going to have to figure something out. Uh, My reason why, or my positive at least, for why they could potentially win a championship um, would be because they have the experience. I think that's the number one thing. You're talking about players who've been in this situation before versus a young Memphis team, a young Kings team who hasn't been in those playoff situations. They haven't been there to close out series. And we saw the Grizzlies weren't able to execute that last season because I think that is just some of the youth and inexperience. You're looking at a group that has so many core members who have won a championship and won multiple championships. This is a team that knows how to win in the playoffs. And I know a lot of people have made the, you know, made the comparison of, oh, you know, the regular season is the preseason for the Warriors. I think it's gone a little too far this year since we're 500, you know, with a couple games to go in the regular season. But there is something to be said for that. And and you talk about the motivation factor that maybe the motivation does, you know, rise. This is a team that knows how to rise to the occasion when it comes to playoff situations. They know how to perform in those crunch time situations versus some of these younger teams that you're talking about or teams who have not don't have that championship experience. So that's my reason for being in the positive. They get into that situation, the playoffs, if they make it in and, you know, I think avoid the plan, that's going to be something that's key. Then that's where I think maybe that experience does help them overcome a Grizzlies or Kings team. And then, you know, then you got to look at the Western conference finals. I think getting to the championship, it's going to be hard facing some of the stronger teams in the East, but still, I think that's where maybe you can win a couple rounds in the Western conference. since it is so wide open this season. And you're looking at some teams that don't have the same experience level. The golden state warriors have, um, as far as reasons why though, I would have concern. I think there's a lot of reasons for concern. I mean, first of all, there has never been a team that is 500 at this point in the season and won a championship. We have to realize the golden state warriors would have to do something that has never been done. Um, you know, and as much as I know a lot of folks have faith in Steph and Clay, that is putting a lot onto this team. You mentioned uh, bringing back Andrew Wiggins, Gary Payton II are crucial, but my other big concern with the team is the front court court depth. It's something I've talked about a lot here through the second half of the season. Today, Kevon Looney, back on the injury report. He is probable, but still having back issues. He's had lower back issues for about 10 to 11 days now. He's been going in on and off that injury report, and like we're just so thin. And I know it was a situation that was a little bit similar last year, but we had some, you know, you had Otto Porter Jr. You had Nemanja Bielitsa, at least who were stretch bigs who could, you know, spread the floor. And I still think last year they were thin in the front court, but this year now, once again, the margin for error is so small because they haven't been playing good defense. The perimeter defense has not been good. Um, And then we're dealing with a couple of injuries. I don't think they do have quite the same depth as last year in other positions. Uh, So, you know, my concern is the front court depth. We're one injury away from being in a really, really bad situation. I know the Warriors had to bring on Anthony Lamb. That really was their only choice, you know, given the situation they're in, but I would have liked to see them bring in a big, I think they could have signed someone in free agency who would have really helped bolster that depth. And it's concerning to me now with the last couple of games of the season that you've got Gavon Looney dealing with some type of lower back issue. Draymond Green has been, you know, dealing with some ankle sprains. He was also on the injury report today is probable. I can't even remember what it was, but he's also an older player. So I just, I don't know that I feel great. You've already got like two undersized centers. Draymond Green isn't a true center. Kevon Looney, I guess is, but he's still a small center and that's it. You know, I mean, Anthony Lamb can't really fill that role. And I know something that Steve Kerr said when talking about wanting to sign Anthony Lamb is, oh, he's done everything for us. You know, we've even had to put him in at center. Ha <laughs> ha. And I'm like, that's not really funny because in the postseason, I'm just afraid that's not going to cut it. And I'm just very nervous. That the front court depth, 
If something were to happen to Kevon Looney or Draymond Green, or we see some of these small ball lineups really struggling inside, um, that could be potentially a crutch, a crutch, crutch, I don't know, crutch, could be potentially an area that could be exposed in the playoffs, basically, against a bigger and stronger interior team. Also, the Warriors have struggled a little bit against stretch fives in certain matchups throughout the season. I could go on and on. But basically, that's another area for me that's a big concern when you're looking at playoff series. Of course. I mean, I, this is impossible. The Warriors would never be able to do this because they've been too good. But if only they had a lottery pick they could have used on a big man. You know, I mean, we would have been in such a better position. We wouldn't have to worry about any of this shit. So, you know, I mean, it is what it is. And I think Detroit has a good big man. But we should look at I'm not going to jump down that fucking rabbit hole and said I'm going to get my frustration out in this way. I noticed the loon um, injuries. I've noticed the Draymond stuff too. And you know what made me think of? Made me think of that terrible streak where the Warriors were losing to Detroit and Charlotte and all the dregs of the league. Because if they'd won those games, I'm not even talking about being the Warriors throughout the season. You still have your road woes, still have all of that. If they had just won some of those slam dunk guaranteed the other team is trying to lose games – then you'd have some runway right now. You could give Loon a little bit of time off. You could give Draymond some time off. But instead, they've got to go balls to the wall at the back end of the season just to make the playoffs. You know, yeah. but it is what it is. You know, they made their bed and now they got a lion. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Here's the next quote. Throughout the year, Clay has gone out of his way to show the league how many rings he has. Do you like the four-finger salute? I'm going to pause. I love that phrase. Do you like the four-finger salute? Or would you prefer it if the scaffolding legend let his accomplishments speak for him? Um, I've got a take on this, but I'm going to wait. I won't go first. Maxine, what do you think, dude? Do you like it? I mean, and, and we've got that clip. Go ahead and show it in case uh, people haven't seen it. I mean, the, on more than one occasion this year, starting, I think, in Phoenix, um, but I'm not positive, We've had Clay announce to anyone who wanted to listen exactly how many titles he has. And what we're seeing here is him showing the, the uh, Memphis bench and most likely Dylan Brooks, but who knows? Uh, so we go to the question. What do you think, Maxime? Do, do you like that he's doing it? It's so, this is so tough because, so no, my short answer is no, I don't like that he's doing it I, because I don't like that it, you know, it clearly has him on his heels. He's in a defensive posture. If you're, if you're absolutely legit, you know, you can let those titles speak for yourself. You don't speak for themselves. You don't have to speak for them. So it is a little bit disconcerting. But I also get it. You know, the, the specifically the Memphis team is talking so much trash that you get into this situation where you're like, you guys, you just got to stop. You know, this is ridiculous. You haven't won anything. And that's a narrative that they should be reminded of. I don't think it should be coming from Clay, especially in this environment where we're losing. It's not a good dynamic. Um, because it's really frustrating ultimately to see that happening on national TV, right? To have that enter into the press and enter into podcasts that are talking about this and playing this clip or whatever. It's not generally a good look. I was kind of reticent to put it on the screen myself because like, I just don't think it's a good look for clay, but the Memphis Grizzlies do need to be reminded that they haven't won anything. And the Warriors have won four. And at the end of the day, like that means something. It's like what Kylan was talking about earlier. There's an experience that comes from being in those playoff environments that the Memphis Grizzlies haven't proven that they have yet. 
You know, granted they're talented enough to win it, but it takes more than just talent, from my understanding, to actually make a postseason run. When the lights are brighter on you, there's all of these other things. The Warriors have done it a lot, and I think Clay has a right to chirp. I just don't think it's a great look. I don't mind that he's doing it. Uh, I mean, Kobe, there's the famous highlight where we've seen Kobe do exactly that. And there's nobody who takes any shots at that. It's kind of a sign of Kobe's mental dominance. And so, like, the fact that he's done it, I don't mind. You know, if you use it as a trump card once, excellent. It's how many times he's done it. Uh, I had a professor in college. God, what was his name? I think Peter Eubanks. And I remember sitting through the first lecture. And, like, 10 minutes, 15 minutes in, he had this incredible joke. And, you know, the 500 people in the lecture hall. Loved it. And it was you know, phenomenally well-phrased, well-paced, the whole nine yards. And I ended up TAing for that professor. And then I learned yeah. over the course of a few weeks that he used that joke for every class, every time. And every time it was well done and every time it was well-paid. I mean, he, he knew what the hell he was doing. But by the second time, it lost some of his luster. By the fifth time, I couldn't hear it anymore. And so the first time Clay dropped off the four-finger salute, I'm on board. F them. You know, they, they shouldn't be saying anything to him. He is a four-time champion. But by you know, the third, fourth time, it, it's losing it for me. I, I, I would prefer if he stopped it now because it's, it's starting to cut the other way. You know, I don't, I don't think it's, it's sending the message he'd like it to send. What do you think, Kylan? You, you are undoubtedly classier than either Maxime or I. What, what's your take here? Oh, I appreciate that. Um, I like that analogy, though, Bram. That was a good one with your professor's joke. Um, I think that the Warriors core, they've earned every right to throw around the four fingers, four rings, you know, whatever. I get it. I think that you want to respond as well when the Grizzlies are talking smack. Like, what are they just going to do? Just look back and say nothing. I get all that. I don't hate him for doing it. Um, I understand why. But at the same time, I just don't love the situation. To me, when you're doing it over and over and over again, it tells me you're running out of comebacks Mm -hmm. if you're using the same thing over and over and over again because you're not winning games. You know, at the end of the day, the Grizzlies got the better of the Warriors these last two weeks. And and to me, it's kind of telling me, well, you've run out of material or, or anything to say back to Dylan Brooks Jr. Because yeah. right now you're sitting on a bench watching your team get totally spanked by them. Uh, you know, so that's the only thing to me. I'm just kind of like, it, it just makes you cringe a little bit because you're like, he doesn't, there's nothing else to say at this point because the Grizzlies are, are destroying you and you've won, you've lost 11 straight on the road. And I think they have every right to throw out, you know, the four rings, the four, you know, they've earned that. But at the same time, it's just kind of like, well, there's not much else to say at this point because we're 500, we're getting our butts kicked. And, you know, the Grizzlies have had the better, better end of us in the last month. And, kind of running out of other things to say, at least in that situation. So I'd love to see them in a different situation, like after beating the Grizzlies after the game, be, you know, bringing up four and everything like that. But when you're on the bench getting spanked and there's nothing else to say, so you're just going to throw up the four fingers. It's just, it's just kind of an unfortunate scenario to be in, to be using that. And like you said, kind of doing it over right. and over, it tells me, all right, well, <laughs> we've run out of material and what else to say. And, you know, I'd like to see them just start to win games, focus on where you're at right now in the season, focus on the fifth, um, you know, and this is just a critical stretch coming up. So, and I know some of the fans too, that I've seen on Twitter, at least like some people are just concerned and not that it necessarily reflects only on this four fingers thing, but just that there is a level of complacency amongst the group complacency that, Hey, you know what? We have one four, we've accomplished all this. Like, okay, don't you want to go get five? You know, isn't that what we're hungry for and focused on right now? And I'm not saying they are, but 
you know, you start to do get some, you know, people who maybe are speculating that there is a level of complacency that's led to the record we're at this point in the season. They're they're resting on those four championships, which rightfully they've deserved. They've done incredible things, but you know, maybe there isn't that same level of hunger, like you mentioned motivation to get the fifth and again not to say the four fingers necessarily means that but i think there is some fair speculation at this point now that hey you know maybe we're just happy with the four and that that is what it is it there's there is a direct translation the four fingers the direct translation is i have nothing left to prove that's a problem with motivation you know i mean like that you are shit talking that's what you're doing i don't have to prove anything to you i've already proved to the world who the hell i am you should know it in fact you probably do but the the other thing you're saying there I have nothing left to prove. I've got no motivation. I don't have to climb any more mountains, you know, and that's, that's an issue. Um, and hopefully one that we'll see fixed come playoff time. All right, here's our next. And it deals right with what you were saying as far as front court depth quote, since October, we've heard that golden state's roster might not be deep enough to make a real title run because the youngsters weren't ready to contribute during the playoffs. We're 10 games out. Who on this team do you trust and a playoff game. So I'm going to change this question a little bit. Um, generally speaking, when you're talking about playoff rosters, you're talking about a rotation that runs eight to nine. I mean, it goes to 12 people, but you're not going to see those last three people, you know, and then really you're focusing on the eight to nine guys who can help you. So I want to run some names by you. And you guys tell me, do you think they cannot do you think? Do you trust these names in a playoff setting? So let's take some off the board immediately. Steph, Clay, Dre, Loon, I'll even include Jordan Poole. You know, he hasn't had a great season right now, but what he contributed to during the finals last year, I think he's ready. So there's five, all right? So we're looking for, for three to four additional people. Here's the first name, and I feel good about it. Dante DiVincenzo. Do we trust Dante in a playoff season? I'll go first. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he. in fact, he's proven it, right, at the collegiate level. I mean... You know, dude won a championship for Villanova, so. And he's helped Milwaukee. Um, but is it a clean sweep? Down I say yes. I say yes. So I'm going to say yes with Dante DiVincenzo. Um, he's been very consistent in what he brings defensively, the energy he brings. I feel like recently he's had a couple of maybe not so great games, but I just feel like in general, big picture of the season, he's been consistently a good defender, one of their better on-ball and perimeter defenders. Not that saying much based on how the rest of the Warriors have been performing in that regard. Uh, but still, he's one of their best defenders. I think he brings great energy generally outside of, like I said, an occasional performance. He takes care of the basketball. He's smart with his decision-making. Late game situations, he's proven that he is consistent and trustworthy versus a Jordan Poole, who I know some people have fair concerns about with some of the late game turnovers and execution there. So to me, Dante DiVincenzo is Mr. Reliable. Shooting has been a little bit up and down. I don't think you necessarily can rely on him to have a great shooting night every night, but he does seem to make some threes and some big twos in moments that matter. I will say that in crunch time, all of a sudden Dante DiVincenzo is 0 for 3 and he'll hit a triple. And I'm just like, what? what just, where did that come from? Okay, I mean, sure, why not? Um, so he seems to be able to perform in those crunch time fourth quarter situations. And like I said, he generally has just been smart with the basketball, high IQ, plays good defense. So I just think all around he's a reliable player. He's a good player, and he's a player that you certainly want in that eight to nine man rotation. I love this call, and the take you had about Jordan Poole made me think of this question. So let's say it's even money, right? You bet bet a hundred to win a hundred, and you can bet either 
that Jordan Poole is going to fall down for no reason during the game or is not, is not going to fall down you know, for no reason. Which way would you bet? I'll tell you right now, I would bet he falls down, and I would bet that almost every single game. Um, you guys don't have to answer that. Instead, Kylan, keep the mic. Let's go backwards, and I'll give you a new name. Jonathan okay. Kaminga. What do you think? Do you trust him Jonathan in the playoffs? Jonathan Kaminga. I love this. Yes, I'm a Jonathan Kaminga fan, maybe even a stan at this point in the season. Jonathan Kaminga has earned his way into my heart and into the Warriors rotation in my own mind. And I think it's Steve Kerr's mind too. I mean, Kerr has been very complimentary every time when talking about J.K., you know, especially in this re recent stretch of games. Post-All-Star break, he went on a tear where he was like plus 40 in four games that the Warriors had won and a bunch of those come-behind wins um, as well during that five-game home winning streak that they won on just a couple weeks ago. Um, and to me, Jonathan Kaminga has shown the progress you wanted to see from him this season. It started out a little bit rocky, but the defensive piece came first, and that's the huge thing. What he brings defensively for the Warriors critical given the way the, war the Warriors have struggled defending. And then now, like I was just kind of saying earlier on in the episode, he's starting to develop and let the game come to him offensively. Yep. Um, he's absolutely a vertical threat. We are seeing him cut to the rim at the right times. I just think that he's a player who's shown that he has developed the way that they needed him to develop this season. He's got to be in the rotation. Again, I feel like when he comes in off the bench and puts in 17 points, he can be an X factor in both his defending and also rebounding i think he's been a little bit up and down and having some better rebounding games than others but again with this warriors team that's lacking some front court depth he can be huge in the rebounding he can be huge on the glass when he scores i think he's a huge boost offensively in the second unit and then defense is something they need as well as size so i'm saying yes with jonathan kaminga in the eight to nine man rotation next name Oof. i uh i i don't trust him um, oh, I, yeah, I listen. I, I know it's awful. I, I don't want to be this Tomato. guy. Uh, <laughs> I love Jonathan Kaminga. I'm so excited for his future. You know, like uh, if we're, if we're talking about people that we want to trade on this squad, he is second to last. Maybe for me, I'm really, really excited about what he's, where he's at. Um, but that's in the regular season when you don't have teams scheming against him. And frankly, I've seen in some key moments, I've seen him be sort of lost on the court. And I know that on, on ball defense, he's fantastic. Um, and some mm -hmm. of these like incredible athletic, like, you know, coming from the free throw line, slam it down on your face dunks. It's fantastic. He's got all the things when he shoots a three, I'm pretty confident that it's going in, which is very impressive um, for somebody of his age. Um, given that his overall skill set is not just about being an outside shooter, but as rotations tighten up, as people are paying more and more attention to what's going on, you know, I think over the course of a series, you're going to see more impactful games from Jonathan Kaminga earlier in the, in the series. And then ultimately, by the end of the series, he's going to become a non-factor to the point where, especially also with Steve Kerr and how Steve Kerr puts his rotations together, you could see him trusting him less and less as we get farther into the playoffs, just because, you know, he's a young guy that hasn't totally figured it all out yet. And again, that's no indictment on Jonathan Kaminga. That's just an understanding that as a young kid, um, he hasn't quite figured it all out yet. And it's going to become increasingly cerebral as we get farther into these playoffs. So I personally don't trust him yet. I feel confident and speaking for the audience at large, but then JK specifically and telling you to go for yourself, Maxime. Um, I definitely trust JK. And the reason I do is something that Kylan just put words to. And I think the way she phrased it is he's letting, or he's allowing the game come to him. So we've seen his burst of athleticism, incredibly important for the playoffs. We don't have a lot of vertical spacing and we don't have athletes like him. So we're going to need it, but that's not what makes me feel like he's going to contribute. It's over the last couple of weeks, he's allowing the game to come to him. He's far more patient. He's not forcing yeah. this stuff. 
And that's exactly what we're going to need in the big moments. You know, I think that rotations will shift. You know, you'll see Steph, Clay, the big boys of the world getting a much more lion's share of the minutes. And Kaminga's role is going to be shrunk. You know, it's going to, they're going to need less out of him. And I think in that lesser setting, he'll be able to deliver, but we'll find out together. You know, here's another name and one I am nervous about uh jermichael green so the way i've set this up i guess it's my turn to go first we're not super fired up about i'm gonna say no i really want to trust him i like the uh the fu attitude that he brings jermichael is one of very few people on the warriors who are down to fight immediately and i think you need that kind of intestinal fortitude when it comes to the playoffs so i'm glad that we have that but if i want to fucking trust the guy he, he goes on a bender where he misses like 30 straight three-pointers and has terrible missed dunks and turnovers. So it, I, it's not that I don't think he's capable. I think he has the skill set, but right now, I don't trust him. Um, he, he does not make my eight to nine man rotation. Yeah, you said it perfectly. I don't know that I really have much to add there. I think you know this is this is the the type of player that's at the edge of the rotation. And again, what we we listed off some people. So at the point we're now at what seven um, or six, if um, I'm Steve Kerr and I don't play J.K., um, we're also hoping for Wiggins and Gary Payton to be key members here, right? So already now you're talking about eight or nine. I think Jermichael Green's going to fall on the outside of this rotation because it's it's exactly that, right? He's he's young in this system. I think he we all have expected him to fit better than he did, and so by this point, the fact that he hasn't fit as well as we thought, um, I don't think that's going to change come playoffs. I agree. I also am on the same page. Don't know that I necessarily trust Jamichael Green to be in that playoff rotation. He's just been inconsistent. To me, there have been moments where I'm like, oh, wow, this guy gets it. He fits, yep. especially in the second half of the season, like in 2023. And then the next game, like you said, he'll come out and he'll miss. He'll be 0 for 5 and he's just chucking it. And also he'll miss defensive assignments. Sometimes he looks yeah. slow defensively, like his feet are stuck in concrete. Yeah. I'm like, what was that? I just feel like there's been a total up and down in his performance and inconsistency that I don't trust going into needing a postseason rotation when you're breaking it down. But one thing I will say is, I know, Maxine, you mentioned not trusting Jonathan Kaminga. I just feel like they're running out of options though, you know? And so that's an area to me too, where I bring up JK and I do trust him, but also I just feel like they're going to have to play him out of necessity. Mm -hmm. um, even if that role is shrunk, it's just like, what else do they have off the bench? Because like, I agree, like I don't trust a Jermichael green. I personally don't trust an Anthony lamb in the rotation. And it's just like what, you know, with Draymond green and, and Kevon Looney in the starting lineup, like who's going in for them. I guess that's my question. That's my yeah. bounce back question. If we don't trust JK, you know, and then that's where I bring up that to me, the front court depth in general is, is a concern because let's say JK is, you know, does flounder in the playoffs. Like what are our other options at this point based yep. on the way this roster is constructed? No, I, I think this, this off season is going to be a, um, a run up to some major change, either major change where the rest of the world has to immediately accept this is a dynasty, five titles, there's nothing else to argue about, or major change on the roster. You know, that they banked on these young guys, didn't work out, may or may not have wasted a year of Steph's prime. And I think Lacob's going to come out with the checkbook swinging, um, but we've got an offset or offseason rather to analyze all that. Um, Kylie, you already hit the last name, Anthony Lamb. I'm with you. No, no, I do not. Um, we've avoided talking about Lamb throughout the season because uh, I'm a little disgusted by his 
allegations and everything around it. So I'm not going to go too much into him now viewing it only from a basketball setting, only from a basketball setting. The, um, the fact that he's a two-way player doing well, you know, fun story. You know what you don't want in the playoffs? Fun stories. You want somebody who you know is going to contribute, and I don't necessarily focus on him. Enough air for him. Our, well, Maxine, you got a lamb take? Uh, yeah, no, I, I, not exactly. It was just to say, I don't I don't think lamb is going to be a difference maker, right? And I, I kind of just like, I feel like we're circling around JK because I think that's really important. You know, we've talked about people that we trust and we don't trust. And in general, all three of us are on the same page on everybody but Kaminga. And so I just, I want to put it that, like, I want him to succeed. And I think from all of that we're talking about here, if he does that's going to bode really well for this team. So whereas Anthony Lamb is not going to be a difference maker, right? And so maybe that's different from trust. Maybe in the like five, 10 minutes that he ends up playing, you know, he adds value and that's great. Um, But Jonathan Kaminga, if he plays well, could literally take us to a title. And, and, and And if that happens, I mean, I'm going to be the first one to be popping the champagne. Yeah, and I'll remind you that he told you to fuck yourself on this show, so I'm looking forward to that (laughs) exact moment. Um, We are running crazy long, so I will make this our last question, Um, and it's one that's kind of fun. Quote, this week, while reminding myself how much I sports hate Dylan Brooks, I suddenly realized that opposing fans probably hate our lovable Warriors. If you didn't root for Golden State, who do you think would be the most dislikable player on the roster. Um, so I'll take this bullet first. And I, this is kind of, this question helped me come up with the question I had for you, Kylan. Um, because so, you know, the the question that, or the, the answer that everybody's thinking, and we at least have to say, Draymond Green. Um, in fact, Dylan, intern of the huddle, did a video where he went to OKC and asked fans, who do you hate? And we heard Draymond Green's name a lot. So you know, we at least got to say that, but that's not my answer. Here's my answer. And I think it's a surprisable one. Steph Curry. And here's what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of that bang, bang shot in OKC. And I'm, I'm putting myself, if I was a Thunder fan, and I'm there, and Steph hits a 90-footer to end the series and to win the game, and then and then I get to watch him spend an entire time out, him dancing the Bernie and celebrating his ass off and doing everything he possibly could to let me know that I how would I feel about him? I'd be furious. There's no way I would take that well, you know, and that would be true on, on all the things, all these, all these moments that have brought me unbridled joy would bring me a same level of frustration and anger if I was rooting for the other team. So who do I think is probably hateable for people who don't root for our boys? I think it's Steph. You know, I don't think he's the only guy, but I bet you there are people out there who have a just white hot hate for, or uh, for our hero, you know that's so that's my answer. I I uh, I was actually so you you may be right, and I think what it's going to come down to, it, you know, the staying power of Draymond, Steph, and Clay. Uh, means that there's probably more people that are hating them than uh, than anybody else. But I was surprised in my recent um, uh, deep dives into Reddit uh, NBA community how much vitriol there is for Clay Thompson. Um, you know, hmm. I think on you know in our like bubble here, he's like you know he's signing toasters and he's wearing um, sailor hats and you know he's boating around. But I think actually there's a lot of animosity for um, maybe some of his aloofness comes across as um, uh, I mean that he's a dick, I guess. So <laughs> I'll agree with that. You do. Wow. <laughs> no. So I, I will say that's one thing just from like traveling. I mean, even traveling, I went to Boston for the NBA finals last year and outside of Draymond green. Now Draymond green was the clear 
and a lone front runner. Like people made their shirts that said Draymond sucks. They were running around Boston wearing them and just loving life. So that that's got to be said first. But then outside of Draymond, it's both Steph and also Clay. Though I think that there's something about Clay's personality and, like you said, maybe the aloofness that people think he comes across. Maybe like he's you know a jerk or something along those lines. Um, so I will say Clay is one person that a lot of that I've just heard from talking to other fan bases that players don't like. And then also, I think in general, something that you hit on Bram that I think was absolutely true was that I think it's just annoying as an opposing fan to see all the success of the Golden State Warriors and the two Splash Brothers high-fiving and celebrating and hearing Splash Brothers this, Splash Brothers that. And it it applies to both Steph and Clay. Like, at some point, it gets old. Um, And as someone who moved here not, you know, being raised or or coming here in as a Golden State Warriors fan, like, there is something to that. I will say, like I said, when when KD joined the Warriors, and it was just like, oh, geez, here we go again. They got to win another one. Okay. And then even after he left, it was like, all right, well, here they go again. They're probably still going to win another one. Like, I think just at some point that grinds people's gears. And like you mentioned, the celebrations, all the stuff he does, it's fun for us. But I don't know that it's necessarily fun for other fan bases. And I'll admit, I've rolled my eyes before, you know, not being someone who was intricately uh, covering the team. Yeah, I mean, that's I assume all of that is true. And I'd also like to add on the off chance that there is one of those fans listening now know that the only thing that made those championships better is thinking how much it bothered you. So that is phenomenal for us, Kylan. I was looking forward to today. It ended up being better than I thought. I am positive that people who are listening need way more meals in their life. If I'm right, where do they go? Uh, yes. Sorry. My husband is printing something in my office. I don't know if you can hear the printer, but it is driving me crazy. I keep muting. I, so I'm I like, oh, no. I hear the printer, but I could see the unmistakable look as a married man uh, that, that screamed, my spouse is doing some shit that is annoying me. Like, I'm not sure it's what, like, we have to be doing it's a Bluetooth right now. printer. So you don't have to be in here. You can, like, print. We're both hooked up to the Bluetooth on our phones, on our own laptops. And all of a sudden, I just heard it start firing up. And I just looked. I side eyed the <laughs> printer and I texted my husband. I was like, you're printing something. We're almost done. Wait. <laughs> it definitely it it screamed. I'm gonna keep it professional for this camera, but you need to know this is not okay. Which was really just nicely played by you. Well, anyways, outside of giving my husband and his printer the side eye. Um, but yeah, as far as following me, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> TikTok. I'm all over social media and I'm just my name. So that's the beautiful thing about being named Kylan Mills because no one else is named Kylan Mills. And you guys both have kind of unique names, so maybe you get it. Like no numbers. I'm like, we'll just keep it simple. First and last name, that's it. You can find me on any platform. And then as far as my actual work, I'm all over the place. Uh, You can obviously listen to Locked on Warriors anywhere you get podcasts. But Pac-12 Network, I've got softball games coming up this weekend that I'll be calling over at Cal. So otherwise, my schedule is impossible to keep up with. Just follow me on social media. And, and, you know, I try to share a little bit about what I'm doing on the (laughs) day-to-day. The normal stuff for us, um, it used to. Our only spot on social media was Twitter. That's at Warriors Huddle. But, Maxime, are we expanding? What other stuff do we have out there? We are expanding, yeah. So there is, I mean, we got the Warriors Huddle blog at warriorshuddle.com slash blog. Um, well named, if I may say so Yay. myself. Oh. Uh, there is, uh, yeah, shout out to um, all the folks, Tanner, Matt, and Gabe, um, who are uh, writing content for us. We really appreciate it. We're also... Um, getting ready to launch our Instagram feed. So look forward to that. Uh, definitely up on YouTube, which is where those of you that are seeing our faces are right now, but we always appreciate a subscribe. So all sorts of stuff coming and more to come to uh, highlights just dropped. We had a JK highlight that a lot of people seem to really like. So we're going to try to do more of that to get you more of what you need. Um, but yeah, find us everywhere at this point. 
Help us. If you like this show, you don't even have to watch. Just go to YouTube and press play. Turn off your computer. That's fine. Just give us the <laughs> give us the view because we appreciate it. Uh, you want to get us a golden question or let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job. You can shoot us an email too. Huddle at warriorshuddle.com. Boom. Look at that text scrawling across the bottom of the screen. So classy. Uh, with that in mind, go Warriors. And hopefully we'll see you next week. Good, good. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.